my brain operates in in a strange way that I don't. I found out in my in my early thirties that uh, that people have a narrative in in their in their head and they have like a voice and most people do i i don't so my head is empty so anytime i'm looking for inspiration i have to stare it into space and w- wait for something to emerge from the from the darkness so um inspiration is very much a mystery to me hello and welcome to think inspired a weekly conversation about inspiration and its role in the creative process my name's through and i'm your host I'm also the founder and CEO of Inspo, a search engine for inspiration. Now, this is a curious and often misunderstood topic that my team and I have been obsessing about for the last year as we've been building our product. We've had literally hundreds of conversations with creative thinkers about the nature of inspiration, and this podcast is our humble attempt to capture some of those discussions, share our learnings with the world, and hopefully help you think inspired. My guest this week is Dr. Daniel Hume, who is a leading expert in artificial intelligence and emerging technologies. He is the founder and CEO of Satalia, a company that provides AI products and solutions for global organizations such as Tesco and PwC. Satalia was recently acquired by WPP, the world's largest advertising and communications agency, where Daniel now serves as chief AI officer. I've known Dan since university, and his unrelenting commitment to purposeful entrepreneurship and innovation has always inspired me. His mission is to create a world where everyone has the freedom to spawn and contribute to innovations and have those innovations become free to everyone. He is nothing short of a visionary, and I'm super excited to speak with him. Daniel, welcome to Think Inspired. Hey, Daniel, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? (laughs) I'm great, thank you. So um, I know we've got a bit of a a time limit today, so I want to get straight into it. Um, Big question, first rabbit hole. What does inspiration mean to you? Oh, wow, what is inspiration? Uh, my brain operates in in a strange way that I don't. I found out in my in my early thirties that uh, that people have a narrative in in their in their head and they have like a voice and most people do. I, I don't, so my head is empty. So anytime I'm looking for inspiration, I have to stare it into space and w- wait for something to emerge from the from the darkness. So um, inspiration is very much a mystery to me. That is. Such a refreshing answer because normally people, they seem to struggle a lot more and it off, uh, oftentimes people, you know, they say that um, they have to fill their heads with, you know, stimulus or fiction or creative art or whatever. And then hopefully something strikes where it sounds like you're, you're almost the opposite of that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's interesting. That's one of the reasons we started this podcast as well, because it does seem like a bit of a mystery. Everyone defines it in a slightly different way and it seems to be like elusive in nature. Um, but clearly like you do a lot of, um, creative, work. I don't know actually if you self-identify as, as a creative person, but I, I really do believe that you are considering you've built so many products, companies, um, and interesting technologies. Um, so I, maybe, maybe we could start there. I'd love to hear uh, a little bit more about the company that you're building and congratulations on your recent acquisition and success. And maybe you can talk a little bit about the inspiration for that as well. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I'm sure that there are some very good definitions for, for creativity out there, particularly given that Satalia has now joined WPP and WPP's <laughs> mission is to be the most you know creative company in the world. Um, I, I, I'm still uh, getting my head around um, what, what that all means. And But but for me, what, what's important for me is it actually stems from a, a definition of innovation by Steve Jobs. He said, innovation is creativity that ships. And so we you know, can generate lots of ideas and, and new things but but the, the the challenge is how do you actually get them to market adding value and 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 the process of generating ideas and getting to the market is a long and hard painful challenge um you know that yourself being being an entrepreneur and, uh, and one of the things i'm particularly interested in figuring out how do you reduce the friction um associated with uh, with innovations and 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 not only that how do we tap into the creative capacity of everybody in the world so that they can come up with ideas swarm around them and get those innovations to market as fast as possible i believe that we're going to face many challenges over the coming decades and and it's not up to the government or, or silicon valley to solve these problems i think that we need to tap into the creative capacity of everybody on the planet to, to come up with um, uh, solutions and then get those solutions to market so yeah my my, my passion is, is to is to try to to essentially remove the friction from innovation um so that we can enable everybody to be to be creative well as i was i was thinking about um you know how i was going to take satalia on that journey to 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 create a world where where people can can create and uh, then the opportunity came along where wpp said look we've got a, we've got a a really important gap that needs filling from an AI, AI perspective that they're, they're doing some phenomenal things around AI, but they don't have a focal um, a point around that. And, and Satalia has got a very good uh, reputation um, around AI uh, and thought leadership around AI. So for me, it was a, a perfect fit. Not, not only can they help accelerate um, all of the, the AI um, applications and services to, to market and, and grow with their clients, but um, I also can work with WPP on, on, on forming AI positions around ethics, around how you market, how you use this content that we can then hold other um, organizations accountable. So so for, for me, I have two hats. I have an acceleration of these technologies into the world, uh, and I also help to form uh, ethical positions that we can then make sure that we're, we're developing technologies to make a, a positive um, a positive society. Brilliant. Um, and just for those people who are listening who like hear this word all the time, AI, right? And but still don't quite know what it is. Um, maybe, maybe just uh, you must get this question every single day, but just a, a general higher level definition just for, for a bit of context. Sure, there are, there are actually two definitions of, of AI. Um, one is 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 popular, but I think is is weak, which is um, getting computers to do things that humans can do. So over the past decade, we've managed to get machines to do things that traditionally only human beings can do. So recognize objects and images, corresponding natural language, things that traditionally only human humans can, beings can do, we can now get machines to do. And because humans are the most intelligent thing we know in the universe, we then assume that that's intelligence. Now, <laughs> if I if I built a machine that could operate like a dolphin or a or a, or a mouse, uh, one would argue that that's also incredibly intelligent. So I think benchmarking machines against humans is a, is a very silly thing to do. There's actually a much better def definition of, of, of AI that comes from the definition of intelligence, which is goal-directed adaptive behavior. It's a really elegant definition and uh, goal directed in the sense we're trying to achieve something we're trying to achieve an objective behavior is how quickly can we move towards that objective but the key word is adaptive ultimately what we want to do is we want to build systems that 
make decisions, learn about whether those decisions are good or bad, adapt their own understanding of the world so that next time they can make better decisions. So for me, um, adaptive systems is really the true paradigm of AI. And actually, you tend not to see systems in production that can adapt themselves because they can adapt in ways that you can't predict. So the, the first def definition really is linked to machine learning, deep learning, finding patterns from data now that in, in the way that humans can do. Uh, but the second definition really is, is aligned with the, the true definition of intelligence. And, and you actually don't need to have machine learning to have AI. As long as you build systems that can adapt themselves in production, you're aligned with that definition. Awesome. Um, if we could like, let's say, just play out that second definition a little bit and put on yep. you know, our, our futurist hats like 10, 20 years from now, um, what does that actually tangibly mean for um, people, for society and its relationship with, with technology? I know it's a really general question. Obviously, it's going to depend on industry and context. But um, yeah, it'd be great just to get your broad brushstrokes perspectives on that. Yeah, um, well, but both both definitions actually have, will have a profound impact in on society. So the first definition and getting getting you know replacing tasks that traditionally humans can do will have a big um, impact on how we work, what we work, and and, and whatnot. The second definition, building systems that adapt themselves, it just means that we are able to. The, the world is going to move much more quickly. So software is going to get get faster and smarter and better um, every single day, and um, it could also mean that we can. Reduce the cost of um, mm. of of innovations, and and by re reducing the cost of innovations by automating, by by ever improving our our, our software, our technologies, it means that the cost of production could become very cheap the production of our um, uh, nutrition or healthcare or education and, and so i'm actually interested in how we can use these technologies um, to reduce the cost of goods make them abundant which means that everybody can access them so that we can then give the people freedom to do what they want so if we can give everybody in the world access to food to education to shelter then um, so they don't have to work for that then we free them up to go and be creative and go and contribute positive positively to society so so it, it, unfortunately, AI is synonymized with with technology, and and, and you know right. that's fine. But but the, the 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 true power is actually building incredibly smart technology that's constantly getting better, and and that means reducing the cost of of goods, which I think could have a, a massive positive impact on society. So that that's I mean that's almost utopian, right? In the way that you 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 depict it, and that's and that that's beautiful. Um, I'm curious, what do you see as the core? Um, sort of, let's say, risks and hurdles to adoption just beyond technology. Let's just assume we'll always keep getting better at that technological problem, and, and we are, right? Um, and that's that's pretty much what, what you're doing for a living. Um, but what are the other areas where you feel like um, that are just, just serious, you know, either physical blocks or mental blockages as well? And maybe just to get, get, you, get, get you started on this, um, we find that so many people are afraid of artificial intelligence, especially in creative industries. Um, and now technically you are in one of the biggest creative industries, right? And we feel that there's always this, there's this is almost like latent fear that, right? Like this narrative, it's been uh, just uh, almost sick to death of hearing it that like machines are coming and they're going to take our jobs and they're going to eventually become more creative than us. Um, I see yeah. that as like, um, so sometimes I see like the human creative ego, um, especially let's say in agencies as a real like threat, right? Unless you can actually hand solve for that problem. Um, some of these things may not even rise to the surface and be given a fair shot. So yeah, that just one thought I'd love to 
hear, hear, hear what you think about this. Yeah, I mean, it's one thought that has many, many different dimensions. So th there's actually a, a chap in WPP that's been thinking about creative intelligence, creative AI, AI for many, many years. Is a, a chap called Perry, and I'll, I'll introduce him to you because I think he would be phenomenal on your on your on your pod podcast. Um, so, so I think so. I think that there's, there's there's there is a lot of scaremongering around AI. There's also a, mis a lot of misunderstanding. So there's two sides right. to this. One is that everybody's being seduced by promises of AI that's going to drive value in their business and, and and whatnot. And and I think that for the most part, people misunderstand what AI is, misunderstand um, how complicated it is to 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 build, to maintain, to support. Um, and uh, and I think that unfortunately, there's going to be a bit of a, a bit, bit of a bubble around um, around AI and. I also would say that people gravitate towards machine learning, data scientists, and I often remind people that they don't have data science or machine learning problems; they have decision problems. Right. Decision, <laughs> decision problems is is a very different field in computer science. And and, and anyway, uh, I think that companies have been hiring the wrong people to solve problems they don't understand. So, but on on the, on the first the, the first side of the, the the coin is that there's a there's a misunderstanding, and that's been that's driven um, a, a mishiring or an inflation of of certain skills that actually are not the right skills to solve problems in industry. On the, on the flip side, um, those organizations that are getting it right, um, uh, and, and, and we will eventually start to adopt these, uh, these technologies properly. I did, a, I did a TEDx talk recently about talking, talking about the, the six possible singularities that, that could be facing us over the next several decades. And, and you know, there's a future world where, um, where we, don't, we don't know what is true. We, we, based on the, the, the content that's been pre presenting to us, I could be a, a deep fake right now. You might not actually be talking to a real Daniel. Daniel yeah. could be on his uh, <laughs> holiday somewhere, and this could be a, 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 a deep fake. But so there's a future world where where we, we might not be able to determine what what is true, and 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 that will have and is having political ramifications and and whatnot. There's there's a future where AI could help us cheat death. Um, and 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 or, or cure death, as some people like to, to refer to it, which is the which is often referred to as methusalarity, which is um, again what what would happen in terms of our social constructs and our relationships and how we educate ourselves in a world where where we know that we might not have to die. Um, there there is the, there is the economic singularity, which is the impact on jobs. And you know, if we get the timing wrong, then the concern is that there is going to be a, a lot of job losses. And I don't necessarily think in the creative industry, and we'll talk more about that in a second. But there is going to be a lot of job losses, and our economy might not be ready to be able to deal with that, which is why we need to be able to retrain people more quickly, which is why we need to tap into the creative capacity of more people to come up with new ideas so those people can get jobs. Um, but if we got the timing right, actually, I, I, want, I want to just make this clear that there could be a world where we didn't have to work. And that, but we can allocate our time to doing other things, right? things that might be positively com contributing to each other's lives as opposed to um, 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 uh, paid work. Uh, but I mean, there, there are lots of things that concern me about, about, about technology. And, and as I said, it's not in the hands of the government. It's not in the hands of Silicon Valley. It's in, in the hands of all of us to be making decisions, to hold leaders accountable, uh, to make sure that we're using these technologies in a way that's going to steer us to a, to a, to a world that is, is, is positive. If we are continuing to be um, uh, have the impulse of, of, of profit, of consumption, then we're going to continue to put pressures on our planetary boundaries. We're going to continue to put future generations in debt. Uh, and we're going to continue to, to have these economic that we have between between countries and it's just not sustainable so um the ai blockchain these emerging technologies actually uh, could help us start to decentralize how we operate as a species and, and and help us cooperate as a single species instead of fighting each other for gdp brilliant um 
You mentioned we could explore that same question through the lens of the creative industries, and I'd love to. I'd, yes. I'd love. I'd love to hear that as well. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that um, when when we look at AI and what. AI can do. It's typically um, taking one of our senses, whether it be sound or sight or audio or whatever, and 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 then um, building a, a model that replicates or, or solves one specific task that, that that relates to that one specific sense. Now, as we start to get driverless cars and other types of robots that are now starting to bring all of these different senses together, it's much more complex to build. By the way, um, we will start to see AI do more complex tasks, but um, the, the the creative aspect is still, as I as I mentioned, it's still certainly a mystery to me. And um, and my guess would be that over the next decade is that is that these tools won't be used to replace creatives; they'll be used to enhance creative so right. we could use ai to sample the search space of logos for example but it would still be down to the creative to say that looks nice that doesn't look nice and and then develop those into something that 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 handles all of the context that you have to deal with as a creative and, and i think that's really the key word it's it's context and, and that's where ai currently struggles um, it's understanding and, and linking together uh, and optimizing uh, within a messy world of of, of, of context Across a long enough time span uh, and time horizon, do you feel that it will master context? I think I think that um, yes, yes, it will. I, I think that you know the, the, the other singularity that I haven't mentioned is is the technological singularity, which is when we build a brain smarter than us in every single possible way, and we, we don't know what will happen when when we build that that that. Um, that thing um we don't know if it's going to be the, the most glorious thing that happens to us or our biggest existential threat but but I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that anything that humans can do we could eventually get a machine can, machine to do that doesn't mean to say that we don't we won't still enjoy writing poetry or playing music or creating art like even if an ai can go and do that better than us it doesn't mean it's, it doesn't stop our enjoyment of sex and eating food we will still yeah. do those things I'm, I'm sure um it just means i'm hoping that the more more of us will get the opportunity to go and enjoy uh, doing those things as opposed to, you know, a very small percentage of the, of the, of the global pop population. Yeah, I think, I, I think um, Kai-Fu Lee in his AI superpowers book talked a little bit about this as well, that, you know, when um, I think it was when an AI beat the human Go player, right? He said, it doesn't mean that, you know, uh, Go is dead, right? It's an no. now we'll just, we'll just be playing for like, the sheer pleasure of it, which is Indeed. a wonderful thing, which is something that like Indeed. should be, uh, you know, should be aspired to anyway. Yeah, people um, people still play chess, right? And even right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, few few things that I, I really love what you said right at the start of the conversation. Actually, that you know, uh, and and I think it strongly ties back into the the conversation about creativity. That people we assume that we are the most intelligent species in the universe, right? And we assume that we have a fundamental grasp of what like creativity even is, what inspiration is. And the reality is that we don't, all right? We, uh, most of our definitions of it are like, you know, more creative and poetic than actual rooted in, in hard science, right? We, we, like, we still don't really understand how the brain works. So to make huge assumptions about our own intelligence, I think it's just like, it's it just far-fetched, doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and with that in mind, I think you're absolutely right that uh, the word is not like automate, it's augment, right? It's like, how can you make uh, uh, creative thinking better for people? And how can you build tools that just like enrich that process? 
Um, one of the things I, I love what we're doing at Inspo is because like we've asked ourselves the question, like what are machines really good at currently, right? And what are human creative thinkers really good at currently? And we realize that, okay, machines like, you know, so much of like machine learning and everything, it's like just computation on steroids, right? So it's great at sort of like brainstorming in the sense, storming the brains and the thoughts of millions and millions and millions of people uh, and quotes and corpuses in seconds and minutes um, and organizing that for you and putting it in front of you. But then it's the, it's the role of the human creatives to actually synthesize, right? And make meaning from it. And that's where I think machines really struggle. It's like, it's not truly meaning making because they're just not necessarily conscious enough to make that meaning. Um, but I, 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 I did have an, another question for you based on everything that you've just said, right? And the fact that that like future, it's so uncertain and we have no idea about the, the dimension or the nature of that singularity. Um, I guess a lot of it which comes down to ethics, which I know is something else that you, you think about, right? So how do you, um, how do you even, I, I'm not even sure how to phrase this question because I don't want to say that how do you program ethics into a lot of this, but how do you even navigate that very, very complex and qualitative world of ethics in the context of all the stuff, stuff that we're building as well? Okay, I think, I think there's a, I think I was confused about this topic for for many years, and uh, and um, I think that I've now got more clarity. And, and I was helped actually by one of my good friends, um, Callum Chase, who, who's a, a, an author in in, in AI. And um, I think that we confuse AI safety and AI ethics. So AI, AI safety is is building systems in a way that make sure that they're safe. So if I build a system that um, mistakes, uh, I don't know, a, a child, if I'm a, if I'm, if I'm a driverless car and I build a, a system that mistakes a, a child for, I don't know, a turning and turns into the child, then, then that's not a, a safe, a safe system. Um, the, the, the ethical question is that if I've got in my driverless car and I've in front of me, I've got a kid and to, to the right, I've got two adults and to the left, I've got a cliff and, and the car can't stop. Who does the car kill? Who do you say? That, that, yeah. that, that, that's an ethical question. And, and, and to be honest, the, the ethical questions are actually not to do with technology. These questions are, are, exactly. are asked and deliberated and, and have been for, for millennia um, outside of the, the role of technology. So I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned when I see people branding themselves as AI ethicists, because if I say to them, what, what, how would you feel if you called yourself an ethicist? They, they should, most of them feel very sheepish about that because, because they haven't actually studied it ethics right. all, I've, all i've done is read a few books about the traveling salesman probably the, the uh, trolley problem and, and a few yeah. books on, 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 <laughs> on, on, on so so i, I it, it, most of the questions are, are safety questions so the, the questions that are ethical questions are typically already dealt with with eth ethical committees and, and things like that that there are already processes and structures in place to deal with some of those things where, where there is actually ai ethics is for example if we built a super intelligence that is sentient do we have the right to turn it off or, you know, should we be um, calling avatars uh, human names? For example, th these are, these are ethical questions, but, but these typically sit in the realm of academia. They don't sit in the realm of, of, of business. So I would be very cautious about, about, about anybody that calls themselves an AI ethicist. And I did for a while. Um, I jumped on that bandwagon, but most, most challenges uh, sit with safety and that's where you identify biases. That's where you identify behaviors in software. Um, and you want to try and mitigate some of those negative behaviors. Now, that said, one of the things that I would like to do on my list to do is, as you said earlier, one of the things that AI is good at is taking all of this 
data. And in, in this case, what we could do is we could use an AI to read all of the corpuses of philosophical texts and religious texts and political ideologies. We could get an AI to read all of that stuff from Taoism to Buddhism, Stoicism, whatever, and and, and try to extract topics across all of that corpus of, of, of text to see if there's a, a set of um, uh, pillars that we all agree on as a species. Yeah. And so what we could do is we could use AI to surface from that corpus of human knowledge. Are there things that we agree on across all of these things and then if we do agree on them can we then hold future ais future systems accountable to make sure that that they're not violating those um, those principles so one principle for example might be freedom or or, or, or equality uh, and, uh, and we, we need to make sure in all of the systems that we build that we are not disadvantaging one person over another and then that that might be a a principle that exists across all religions all ideologies i'm not saying that it is and um, they're saying there's religions that don't think that we that we should be equal but um but but there might be some principles that we can extract there and and, and that's where we can start to to hold um, other systems or future ai systems um uh, to account that's so beautiful because it's almost like you're you're consciously designing for like a sense of togetherness right rather than trying to figure out like where are we divergent it's like okay where what actually is the stuff that we we've been converging on you know, tacitly, quietly, unconsciously for the last like thousand years or so. Um, one, one of the guests on, on this podcast was Gregory David Roberts, author of Shantaram. Um, and right at the end, um, and in fact, I'll, I'll introduce you if you're, if you're interested. Um, we just had a, just a, a sort of creative chat on artificial intelligence. Um, and he was talking a lot about like what it even means to be a human. Right. And he feels that, you know, whilst we're having this conversation about AI and tech, sure, great, that will happen. And it, it's like newsworthy and headline worthy. Um, but I think before we even take big calls on that, we should ask what it even means to be like a person today. Um, and what is all the stuff that we have in common? So I just feel like there's a little bit of synthesis there. Right. Indeed. It's one of my favorite topics. Amazing. Um, so, uh, why don't we switch gears a little bit and just try something like a little bit <laughs> very spontaneous, impromptu, wild fun. So before the call, I asked you, you know, give, give me a topic of interest and innovation as, as we've got from this uh, conversation so far is clearly something that's really close to your heart. So on Inspo, our search engine for inspiration, I just, just did a quick search on innovation um, and saved a few interesting pieces and thought starters. Um, some of them are questions, some of them are just kind of like a thought starter for a brainstorm. So I'm just going to, if it's cool, I'm just going to share them with you and it'd be great just to get your top of mind response. Um, sometimes it's a little bit unhinged, as you know, like, you know, machines are still like, they're still uh, not necessarily as advanced as, as, as people think. Um, but it would be great just to get your perspectives. So um, one, one of the, the first questions, and this was generated using GPT-3 and also creative associations from HaikuJam. And the question is, whose role is it to be innovative, machines or humans? Yeah, I, as I mentioned, my I speak fast, but my brain is slow. So, um, <laughs> whose role is it to be innovative? I um, I think that uh, it, it, I think it doesn't matter for me. I, I want I want to try and improve the human condition, whether that's human beings coming with with ideas and, and, and making people's lives better, or machines coming with ideas. I think in the in the short term, we need to use machines to remove the friction 
of innovation? How, how do we how do we make that process as fast as possible so that humans can come up with ideas and get those ideas to market? If there's a future where machines are able to come up with innovations that make our lives better, then then so be it. I, I just want to try and create the the a society that has the least amount of suffering, um, uh, and, uh, and 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 the most amount of uh, of, of happiness. I love that. That's beautiful. So um, here's another thought, like a thought starter, um, which, which, which I found fascinating, actually. So innovation is often more about destruction and pain than creation and joy. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I, I think there are some other variants of that, which is that you tend to see innovation where there's scarcity and where people have to come up with creative solutions um, because because there is a lack of, of resource. And so that, that also on one side of it, it, they typically come through through scarcity and a, and a need to solve a problem. Uh, but on 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 the other on the other side, um, uh, I mean, how, how would I articulate this? Um, they when you come up with something new, it's usually in place of something that exists. So it, it, it potentially is, is replacing something else, which, which is, a, is a process of destruction um, as well. And, and I guess during the innovation process, we also have to let go of some of our, our, our conceptions and, um, and, and free ourselves from the, the, kind of the, the shackles of physics and, and society, which I guess is, is also part of a, a destructive process as well, I guess. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more, actually. Um, I know we're, we're, we're pushing time, so um, I'm going to just run one pass, one pretty big question pass. We've already kind of touched upon it, but um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to dive just a little bit deeper. So the question is, if machines become more innovative than humans, then how will humans find purpose? Um, I, um, I, I, most of most of the people I they've done very well for themselves. Let's say from a, from a financial perspective, um, so that they 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 don't have to worry about money. They don't have to worry about houses. They don't have to worry about feeding themselves. They don't sit there lack of purpose most of the people that i know actually have an impulse to go and try and make other people's lives better and, and not not just in the short term but they invest in curing malaria in 70 years or trying to figure out how to escape from from planet earth i'm not necessarily sure that that's the best investment right now <laughs> but 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 people don't don't sit around saying i've i've made like lots of money and and now i have no purpose in life i don't think they 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 have an impulse to go and make other people's lives better. So, um, and I think that comes up quite a lot, that concern, but uh, I'm not concerned about that at all. And, and uh, I think that, um, I think that, that we have, an, 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 if we didn't have an innate desire to try and make the world better for the next generation, we wouldn't have survived, survived, survived as a species. We have an impulse to try and ensure that our genes are going to survive. And that means trying to cooperate and make things better for them in the future. I, I, yeah, and I, I feel the same. I couldn't agree more. I feel as though sometimes I wonder actually, um, so I, I don't actually believe that, you know, there'll be a world, um, where, uh, machines have displaced us in absolutely and every single context, but just hypothetically, even if that happened, right. Sometimes I just wonder, is that almost necessary to realize that for us as a species to finally realize that we're actually here just to help love and support each other <laughs> right and there is nothing more to do 
right? And just like be present and to play and to, to pursue bliss in whatever that in, shape or indeed. form, right? Um, indeed. We, we, will, we will still have desires, I'm sure, to, to like say find mates, to to make people laugh to, you know, all of these, all of these things. I, I, I'm not concerned about that future at all. I think it could be a glorious future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this has been a pleasure, man. I'm, one last question request, you know, I found uh, just in life and also for the journey of building, building inspo that, you know, when someone inspires us, uh, we often, we just keep it to ourselves. We never really let them know. Um, and that's such a shame because that acknowledgement just could make someone's day, right. make them feel just a little bit better and, and recognized. So yeah. Final question. If there's anyone who's inspired you recently, um, yeah, if there's anybody, then perhaps you'd like to give them a shout out. Uh, I don't think there is any one person, not that people haven't inspired me, but I, I try and learn something about myself or other people from every single conversation I have. And, and I try to find time to have conversations with, with everybody that, that, that reaches out because I have learned from all of those things. When, it, when, when, you, when, when you mentioned what does it mean to be human, my, my hypothesis is that... Um, is that uh, there are, there are pe people out there that are pushing the bounds of that stand on the edge of humanity. There are pe people out there that, that wake, wake up in the morning thinking about haikus and go to bed at night thinking about haikus and dream about haikus. Or there are people that, that think about being a chef or uh, driving fast cars or creating art. There, there are people that are on the edges of humanity and typically, typically they're troubled people, but they are pushing the boundaries of humanity. And w when, when I was in my early twenties, I, um, I, I could have realized that if I wanted to understand what it means to be human, I need to go and experience the results of their, of their passions to, I can't remember the philosopher, Will Durant, he said that we get to bask in, in, in the warmth of their fire. These people are on the edges, they're on fire with passion and we get to bask in their warmth. We get to, to read the poetry. We get to eat the, the amazing food. We, we, we get to experience that art. And, and the journey that I've been on over the past 15, 20 years is trying to experience the bounds of, of, of all of those passions so that I can get a sense of what it means to be human. And I can get a sense of also where I want to push those boundaries. And, and so far I want to be pushing those boundaries in philosophy and in, in, in AI. It might be that one day I want to push the boundaries in, in poetry or in, in something else. Um, but, um, but yeah, everybody um, uh, is an inspiration to me. Everybody helps me understand how to kind of piece that picture of what it means to be human um, together. All right, man. I don't think we could have ended on a more inspired note and uh, sincerely just wish you all the best. I love how uh, just refreshingly like human your perspective is, because I think sometimes when people may uh, stumble upon your, your, your bio, right, they'll think, okay, this guy is like a hardcore technologist, but at, at, at the core of everything is just the, as you said, the human condition and uh, evolving that. Um, so thanks so much for taking time for this. This was such a pleasure. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. We're still new to podcasting and would be grateful for any feedback. So do drop us a line. Now, just before signing off, I'm super excited to share that after a year of private beta, we have officially launched Inspo, the search engine for inspiration. So if you'd like to enrich your creative thinking on any topic and elevate the start of your creative process, head over to getinspo.co on desktop web and have a play. See you next week and think inspired.